For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. Uh, I am joined by Dyke Hopeman and Keith Wasley. Official. Other, other, other beverages are available. How are you getting on, alright? I'm good, mate. Good, good, thanks. Yourself? Aye, good. Good, not bad at all, but a, a strange time, but I'm sure it is for everyone, not just myself. So, uh, yeah. what's, been, what's been happening? It must be a bit of a, I hate using this word, word but a bit of a roller coaster year, because at the start of the year it was, it was all great for Motherwell, and, and obviously coronavirus kicked in, and, and it's just been strange times, eh? Aye, it has been. Um, I think every year's a roller coaster year as, as a Motherwell fan, you would probably uh, <laughs> know that better than most. Uh, but no, listen, it has been, you know, uh, a different year for, for for many reasons, but the main one obviously being the, the situation we find ourselves out of football, obviously. So, you know, that's obviously had its effect on the game uh, with, the, with the lockdown period itself, which was which was strange, to be honest, is the only way of putting it. Um, and you know you just do your best with it. You do your best to try and uh, you know keep a squad of players as active as you can in a difficult period. Um, your lines of communication as open as they can be. But you know while doing all of that, you, what you're trying to do first and foremost is make sure everybody's all right. You know, I mean, everybody's well-being is looked after, and you know football does come second to that. But you kind of need to do both things. You know, you need to try and look after their welfare and how they're getting on and make sure that them and their families are okay. But at the end of the day, you know, we we, we also need to make sure that they're, well, by that point, we, you know, we're still in a, 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 a condition to come back at the drop of a hat because, you know, when it first kicked off, we didn't know when we'd be back. We'll be two weeks or two months or, or longer. So it was a tricky situation, to be honest. I think, obviously, if it happened again, you'd probably be a lot better set to do things maybe a little bit better than you did and learn lessons from it all. But, I think, don't think that's just in sport and football. I think that's across the board. I think uh, everybody will, will learn lessons for this period. So a bit different, as you say, but I think we'll just try to make the best of a bad situation. How's things in and about the club? Is it beginning to feel like the new normal or are you beginning to adapt it or is it still a bit stranger? Uh, do you know what? It is, it is the new normal. Uh, is the, new, the phrase that's getting manned about is feeling normal. If you, you know, if you, you kind of get what I mean. It's, you know, we're, we're still twice sweetly tested. Uh, you know, we've got our temperature chest te- checks in the morning. Uh, you know, we've got all the protocols that surround the games themselves in terms of red zones and who's allowed where and getting, you know, our changing uh, away teams changing up in the south. Obviously, the you know biggest one, the fans not being in the stadium. But, you know, you don't want to get used to it, but we're getting used to it. And, um, you know, obviously you're hoping they baby steps. Even today, I see that the joint response group have said that they are using these test events, the Ross County game and, um, I'm not sure what the other one is. Is it uh, Aberdeen game? Aberdeen, I think. Aberdeen Aberdeen so you just start to see the reshoots of recovery where you can see, right, hopefully, you know, and you start to think, right, maybe another couple of weeks down the line we might get to try that, you know, whatever, you know. So all these wee steps, but actually the testing, all these protocols, it's actually just become, it has become normal, to be perfectly honest. So 
Um, aye, aye, listen, as I said, the club have done everything we can to try and make it um, as normal as possible for all the players and for the staff and everybody. And oh, you just got on it and, and, and we're, we're used to it now, to be honest. What's it like as a, as a manager of a coach or, a, or even a player, you know, being in an empty stadium that's a competitive match? It must be a bit of a strange feeling. Weird, I uh, weird. I mean, th- I mean, the best way to describe it is like a pre-season game, you know. You, but even then, you've usually got a crowd in. But even the whole feel of it again, it's probably something that everybody, coaches, players, were getting used to as the week goes on, and it is becoming a bit more normal. But um, it's just strange, you know. There's no doubt to me. I don't know how you know how the stats would look in terms of the. The games, whether the running stats and what, what you know, we would be down or whatever. I know there were some stats like the away teams had more victories, certainly in the German game, and I don't know if that backs up in our game as well since it's been back. But just the feel of the game definitely seems as if it's a kind of level down in terms of the intensity of the game and the, the kind of ebb and flow of the game. And you know, I think simply, certainly from my observations, that that is what the fans bring, you know, and and I think that's what that, you know. If there ever is a situation to emphasise that football is, uh, you know, far poorer without supporters in the stadium, I think this has certainly highlighted it massively. So, um, but the football itself is is a little bit different. But again, you just need to try and make the best of it, and um, you know that's what we're doing. Um, but it's it's I strange strange from the side, even as you say, being a coach and even you're shouting on your instruction, and you can <laughs> you can hear yourself <laughs> shouting across the. I'm sure the players will not be thankful for that. They can actually hear a shout for a change, but uh, it's just wee, wee things like that. You know, it's just a uh, strange, strange situation. But do you find it's harder to motivate the players or, or get them up for it with a game like that? Or, I mean, professionals, you just think, listen, that's what they do. You know, I, I, I mean, I think I don't. No, I mean, I don't think in terms of getting them up for it. I just think if I'm a football player and I'm going out to play in front of you know, 5,000 people or 10,000 people or 15,000 people. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing and what you're performing, but it be football or, I don't know, and, uh, you know, and I'm working in a theatre. If you're going out and there's people sitting in the seats watching you, I think the juices are flowing a wee bit more than, you know, otherwise, you know, if you're going out into an empty theatre or an empty stadium in football in terms. So, I just think, for me, I think it just has taken a little edge off the game, certainly games that I've watched and, um, uh, you know, I think the same says for us. So it's, I don't think it's a conscious thing from the players. I just think it's it's that that adrenaline, that that you know, as I say, that that feeling, uh, you know, of the of the momentum in the game and what the fans bring in terms of noise and just the emotion. I think you know they emphasise a good point in the game and they, you know, maybe things are going well and you know, obviously the flip side to that and you know things maybe aren't going so well. But I just think it all adds to the emotion and the kind of ebb and flow of a football match and. I think that is one thing that's just kind of—it's almost just like a flat line there, you know. And it's up to the players themselves to raise, you know, up and uh, raise themselves up. And I think they've had to get used to it. We've had to get used to it as coaches, but you know, we're doing our best, and we'll just, you know, hopefully get to the point of, you know, you guys and everybody's allowed back in, and um, you know, we can get going again, hopefully, in, in some sort of like not the new normal, the normal normal, if you like. Hopefully that'll make a bit of a difference when the, the fans get back in, Keith, because it's been a <laughs> <lot of laughs> might actually get a game. Derek, so bring your book for next day. <laughs> exactly. What has been going on? Because on paper, it's like, personally, as a Marvel fan, you know, I was I was looking at the team this year and thinking, we've kept most of the boys for last year, but even what you would say is just as good players, or if not better players, came in and just hasn't clicked yet, has it? Or it's... Is that unfair to say? No, no, listen, I think it's, I think it's certainly an element of fairness in what you say. I mean, 
I'm sure every coach and manager when they go through a bad run probably says the same thing. But we do honestly feel as if our performances have, have merited more points. You know, again, it, it does sound very cliche, but we do as a coaching staff, we manager, we, we um, you know, he certainly feels that we just we have deserved a little bit more. But sometimes we feel just that's you know, such fine lines in this, this league that you know we've just found ourselves on the wrong side of those fine lines in, in, in certain matches. So. We are where we are, you know, we've not got as many points on the board as we'd hoped. As you say, we still feel, we feel exactly as you just said there, that we, we have got a squad that that is, um, you know, is strong and it should be, you know, should be competing, should have more points on the board than it does. But, you know, what we're going to do, if we sit and feel sorry for ourselves, you know, we've not got the points we feel as if we deserve, but we're not going to get any value sitting and mulling over that. It's just a case of, you know, let's get on with it. You know, thankfully we... We managed to get a good result in the European tie, that keeps that going. And, um, uh, you know, there's just still so much to play for. So that's the message to the players. It's, you know, it's about getting that win, league win under the belt as soon as we can. Uh, and, and going, because as quickly as it can turn, you know, it's maybe not been going as well. You know, we know it can turn. You know, we've had experience that even in that last, this last three years period, as you say. We've had periods and seasons where it's... Even after the cup finals, I think I remember we had a little bit of a dip, and then all of a sudden we come back, and you know it's all it's all part of football. It's just trusting your system, trusting your process, trusting the players, the squad, as you say, and uh, believing you know keep just keep working hard. It will uh, you know these things will these you know the points will, will come. So, and you know we we're onwards and upwards, facing Johnston on Saturday, and obviously then the European game on the Thursday, and and we just you know just keep going, keep going, and, and we'll get there. I mean, it is early days, and as you say, I think most moral fans are looking at this thinking, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll get there, we'll get back to where we should be. But you touched on the European game, Keith, and that must be an incentive for the players as well, you know. What, what do you guys see? Like, what, what is your ambition? Because obviously, you take each game at a time, but if you're looking at some of the potential opponents we can get after that, if we, if we beat Colrain, you know, what, what, what's the ambition in the dressing room or for the players? Um, again, Again, I mean, even just before we go into that, I mean, you know, something you said there is is interesting because I think a lot of the time in football it's about managing expectation as well. You know, we we managed to finish third, albeit you know the season was cut short, but you know we still felt capable of, of finishing third. But then, obviously, we know as a consequence of that, the expectation then becomes you know that's the bar set, and you know that we as a staff and you know we want to lower that bar in any sense, any way, shape, or form. But what we have to be realistic about is that uh, it's bloody hard finishing third in this league of a team of our size and our, um, you know what you know the you know budgets and things like that we have at our disposal. So to get back to that is is going to be some achievement, you know. But in saying all that, you know we we don't. It's a balance to be had there, you know. We we, we don't want to dampen those expectations. We want our own, our own expectations. Is you know myself as a as a. As a player, I always wanted to win every single game, knowing the fact that I wasn't going to win every game. But so you know, you don't want to dampen that. But there's, there's got to be a sense of realism for us that um, you know that, that was one heck of, a, of an achievement, and to get back there is going to take even more because these clubs that you finished above, your Aberdeens, your Hibs, your uh, you know, are investing heavily are, are coming for you. So you know that that fact I don't think should be lost. But um, in terms of the European thing. You know what is the expectation? The expectation is to win, or not expectation, but the you know the target, if you like, is really you know to win the next game. It's to win the next game, and then I know uh, you know we have our next opponents already. I think is at the 
the half whale or the uh, the Albanian side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know that that far. I mean, honestly, we're not even thinking further than that. To be honest with you, you know, I, I know as a player how much I enjoyed it, and you do, you did see you know potential for other opponents and things like that, which is great. Listen, it's exciting. It's what we worked so hard for last season, but uh, to have this opportunity, but. Again, I've played enough of the games. I've played enough of the games that are, are uh, you know, you're expected to win and you slip up. So, no, I, I just don't think we can get too far ahead of ourselves. And we look forward to Coleraine, who had a great result over at Maribor, who are no more excited as well. Um, so that's a bit of a scout for them, which will give them confidence. But, you know, equally, we've got to, you know, we'll be going there to win, you know, to, to set up to win the game. There's no doubt about that. But we know we know the challenge that's ahead. And, and actually, the Grand Touring game, I think, was a good... Um, because for it, because I think it'll be a similar type of game, you know, a similar type of uh, matchup, and uh, you know, we'd certainly sign up for the same result. But I think it's going to be a bit tougher to get that result, to be honest. Especially being away from home as well, it adds that different dimension with the travel and stuff as well, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. That's the other thing. I mean, even for you, you know, for the fans, and I just think what a trip that would have been for the fans. You know, going to Belfast, and you know, there's no far to go. Even with everything that's going on, you know, even if there was a, some sort of dispensation for fans to go, you just think they'll. Uh, not a, you know a, obviously a long distance to travel. Um, you know I would I would think well maybe chance of taking a couple of thousand over there. You know and and uh, you know what atmosphere that would have been. And, and by the way, I've been inviting. I'm thinking last week for the Glentorn game that would have been the same. I would imagine they would have in normal times if you like would have brought a couple of thousand over. And you can imagine what the what the atmosphere would have been like there. Although I think as far as I can see. You know, some of the boys tried their best before kickoff. With our uh, up in the far corner, for what I've seen, some some footage. Uh, <laughs> some of the young boys with a with uh, no pyro, no party uh, up in the corner as the players arrived. So that was uh, that we certainly seen a wee bit of that. But look, listen, uh, the European adventure is is always great. I loved it as a player, and you know, I'm enjoying certainly the challenges of coaching now as well. What's the what's the main differences in keeping going for a player to a coach? Because I know. Uh, just when we started this podcast, before we started recording, you were eating a, a Milky Way or something, or a Mars bar. <laughs> I'm just checking how many calories are in that. Hold on. <laughs> how's the transition? Right how's the transition? It wasn't quick, but I mean, you, you were expecting another year in your playing career almost, and then you got offered the, the job as assistant manager, and it must be a, a hard one to turn down, but because uh, you, you go yeah. every day to them being on the sidelines. Eh? It was. Um, it was still a decision, you know, honestly it was because you get yourself to a point and, you know, you don't want to, I had a year's contract left, to be honest, on my playing side. Um, and having worked so hard to kind of get where you are as a player and still felt as if I had an impact to, to, to you know, or, or, or something to give the team. And if I, I think if I felt if I didn't have anything to give the team, I think it would have been a far easier decision. You know, they've just been open and shut case, right? I'm not contributing. And the last thing I want to do is be in a team, A, for my own kind of, you know, psyche, if you like, my own, to, to go into a model team and be that guy that, you know, nobody really wants anymore. I, I didn't even want that. You know, you want, you know, maybe that was happening already, to be honest with you, you, you tell me. But you, you know what I mean? You kind of, football doesn't often give you the chance to, uh, not getting in a in terms and, and, and I was obviously getting this opportunity and I felt as if I was still contributing to the team but maybe it was the right time just to step aside and, and another thing about it was what an opportunity for me you know I got you know for myself who you know has been interested in coaching from probably 25, 26 onwards been doing all my badges and you know, 
working with the under-17s and then laterally with Crags with the under-20s. And, you know, for me, as a route into a club, particularly even at assistant manager level, it just doesn't happen very often in Scottish football. There's not a lot of coaching jobs, good coaching jobs in, in Scotland, full stop. And for me to get the opportunity to do that at this football club, ultimately was the thing that was just too good for me to turn down. And, um, well, you work so hard for your playing career and it's just something you don't want to give up, essentially. They're just the, the, the pros, if you like, just once you weigh everything up and speak to Jane and speak to the, you know, your, your family, it just tipped too much in the balance, you know, and it was just like, what an opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'm so happy that I made it. You know, you, you never know at the time. You think, right, you know, it's such a precarious profession, as we all know. Um and you know, particularly what we've achieved, I think, in the last three years, to be a you know a part of that has been so satisfying, and and just um, uh, has been great to be honest. So it's uh, you know you work hard for it, but it's certainly it's it was a big decision, but you know one you know I think I think was was right in the end for all parties. I suppose in your situation as well, keep you both the captain, it being assistant manager. So there's a lot of the boys in the dressing room that. You know, you've been pal away or you've maybe had a laugh with and then you, you need to change your persona or you, are you a, a new Keith Lasley, so to speak? Do you know what? Yeah, yeah. And that's probably, that was one of the trickiest things to try and transition, to be honest, because, you know, there was still a good, you know, that although that first summer there was quite a big turnaround of players, um, uh, there still was maybe a dozen, I would say, that I had played with. And I did actually, I went away in holiday and I remember coming back and you know you speak to a couple of people in terms of a little bit of advice and things like that you know I've maybe done a similar thing to that to myself so I did make a conscious effort I made a conscious effort to distance myself from the players you know to try and uh, you know just just build a bit of distance so that I was comfortable they were comfortable you know our relationship had changed it's as simple as that I'm not a teammate anymore you know I'm part, part of a process of picking a team and maybe upsetting a few um, so you know that relationship's got to change, and and you know that so that's what happens. I mean, as the assistant manager, you still have maybe a little bit more of a bridge to the players than the manager does. He's obviously maybe that little bit further away, if you like, um, because it has to be. Um, but uh, but you know it was a conscious effort, um, and while you still retain, you know, remain uh, naturally remain closer because you have played with them. Um, there was that little bit, a little, little bit of distance there, and and it helped, you know. And I think when I first went in, I was that caught up and just being the best I can be. And you know, remember, I've got to still build a relationship with the manager as well. You know, me, me and the manager, yeah, I was a player for him, I was a captain. But, you know, I wouldn't say we were very close. Even as a manager, captain, we weren't um, maybe as close as I was under. Uh, Stuart, for instance, or um, you know maybe Terry or some of the other managers. So I'm building a relationship with him. I'm trying to show him, you know, I'll repay his faith that he's seen in me and, and, and concentrating on my job and being the best that I can possibly be. Yeah. Um, and I think you know my mind was you know so focused on that. I didn't I didn't find the transition too hard. You know, um, to be honest, uh, I was so focused on just being the best I could be at, at my job and. Um, you know that certainly helped. Uh, you know, where we went, I think we went on a pre-season trip to Ireland, and it was like just head down, get my job done. Yeah, have that little bit of distance. But it was like, I was just so focused on what I was doing. How do you think the relationship changed then with yourself and Stephen since you, you first started? Are you closer now, or are you still got the same relationship? What's the? Um, 
Yeah, I think they're naturally closer. Um, you know, I don't think. Uh, you know, I don't. I, you know, it's funny. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say that we're, we're you know, it's not hard to say good friends, but like, I mean, in football, you have. Um, you know, set, like sort of a, a Stevie Hamill, somebody you maybe play for like, 15 years. I don't think you know you can't get rid of him. You can't help but you know be somebody's friend maybe in that situation. But you know, my first focus with um, you know with the manager is just doing as good a job I can for him. You know, as as far as I'm concerned, my role is um, you know just to help him in every capacity for him to be the best thing that we can get. You know, that, that we can be. Uh, so that's my first priority. You know, we're both quite private people away from football. Um, so we certainly don't socialise away from the game. You know, you can at the moment, but, you know, no, no, no in that sense. But, you know, when we're on the in the building and in the, uh, on the training pitch, we're very close, you know. So I think that's the um, a, a close professional uh, relationship. And, um as I said, that's that's what we like it. I mean, I'm, when I'm away from football, to be perfectly honest, I'm spending time with my family. I'm not, you know, yeah, you get friends out with the game and, and, and you spend time there. But um, but as soon as it's work time and game time, you know, we're, we're as close as can be and we're very close in, in terms of the way we see the game and you know, similar principles. So, um, you know, I think it's been a good relationship, um, a good working relationship and, and one that, you know, I hope can go on for a while yet. It's funny you say that because you always hear that saying, you know, there, there's no friends in football, but you, you touched on Stevie Hamill there and like for yourself, Hamill, Clarkson, a couple of others. It's, it's as if you have been friends all the way through your, your career that you're still friends with this day. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a consequence of just being at the same place for a long time. You know, I think, um, I mean, I don't think football is unique in that sense. I suppose I think, I think across industries, uh, you know, if you're in a factory, you're working anywhere, you know, electrician, plumber in a factory, you know, you, you have guys that you're maybe a bit closer to than others. If you stay, both two people stay in a workplace for a long time, then you're, you're probably going to build uh, you know, more friend, more of a friendship than, than, um, than, than, than with other people. But, but yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, we've, we've been at the, you know, at the club for, for such a, a long time, myself, Hammy, um, you know, Faddy. Uh, Clark, all the guys you mentioned there, you know, I think there's obviously a bit of a stronger bond there. And, and, and um, as you say, in football, there's not many people that really keep in touch if it's not for a footballing reason, in terms of coaching or scouting or asking if somebody about a player, you know, just being friends. And, you know, it's, it's not very often it happens. So, um, but yeah, yeah, so that's good. And, you know, it's again, it's not as if we're being having meet up every, every other week. You know, obviously, he's doing his, uh, stuff with the academy and we. We speak about that and, and, and the boys coming through, but um, uh, but yeah, yeah, but it is nice that we have come through the one club together. And I know we've you know nights before with all the lads that come through the class of two thousand two or whatever it was called, and um, you know it's nice that you have spent a kind of similar journey with these guys and uh, the same football club. It's it's pretty cool. I think it I think it speaks volumes as well. You know that you're all still involved at the club in, in some capacity and. It just goes down to, you know, it must be something quite special or something, you know, in your heart that, that Mother O means to you. You know, it's obviously the place where he's all come through and it's good to see that you are now helping the next generation of kids come through. I know, as, as it's a privilege, to be honest. And if somebody said to me, oh, I've said it a million times, but if you'd have said to me when I walked in the door that I'd still be at the club, working for the club and, 
um, you know, I've captained the club and now got a you know a prominent role in terms of the coaching side of it. Have me the same, you know. It was just like I just wouldn't have believed it, to be honest with you. So to have it to that chance is just that is it's brilliant. You know, there's no getting away for that. Love it. Um, it's but the flip side to that is that we're here to do a job. You know, we're not here. I'm sure Hammy would say the same thing. And, and like what I said with my playing days, I didn't want to become in the way of a good young player coming through or just in the way, full stop, to be honest with you. You know, I want to be part of a successful Motherwell team. And for me to do that, I need to be good at my job. So I'm not here just because I've managed to play a few games for Motherwell and Hammy the same. You know, I'm sure, as I say, would say the same thing. I want to be here to do a job and, and make Motherwell the best that I can be. And that's what will make me happy. No, you know, as I say, it's nice to still be here, but I want to be here making a difference, and that's what drives me. That's what drives me on, and as I say, I'm sure Hammer would say the same. On the on the young players, Keith, obviously, have just lost David Tumble. That must be a bit of a, a blow to you, but fair play to him. He's he's certainly earned his move. Eh? I know. Listen, top top talent. You know, in terms of young talent that I've seen, uh, honestly, he's he's the best I've seen. Certainly, in that area of the pitch. Um, so I think everybody at Mullow have got to be proud of that fact, you know, all the way through the academy, all the coaches that have played a small part in it, obviously David himself, who's the, you know, his family and the boy himself. Um, but, you know, these are the moments I think everybody in, that, in the academy have got to, you know, um, get a little pat on the back, you know, they could do that for not a lot of recompense in terms of money. And, you know, I've been up at uh, Breitels myself and the, the, the hailstones are coming in horizontal. Uh, it's you know it's not the most enjoyable experience sometimes at the, the wrong time of year. So you know the amount of hours that you know the youth coaches, the coaches all the way through David's journey. I think you know they all need to take a pat in the back. And luckily for us, we were there at the kind of latter end of that journey and seeing what a player he'd become. So um, you know, I'm proud proud to see him coming through the system. It's what our club's all about. And um, you know, you know, happy to see him go and, and further his career, and I'm sure it'll not be the last stop on his on his on the ladder, if you like, or on the, on his career path. And um, you know, I'm sure we'll see him play for Scotland. Absolutely no doubt about that. Um, but you know, hopefully, another little badge of honour for the club that we've we've helped develop a, another really good young Scottish talent, and um, you know, long may it continue that the club can you know we can continue to do that. Away for coaching, thank you. What have you been doing with yourself? I believe you've been doing Spanish lessons. Yeah, I see, see, senor. Um, yeah, I have. I mean, I, you know, it's back to lockdown, and it's it's a funny situation. It's you've got a lot of time in your hands, but it's it's uh, right. What do you do with it? Um, you know, young family that probably take, I've got that like, takes up most of it. But you know, professionally, you want to keep yourself going. You want to try and. Um, you know, keep active, keep your brain active and, you know, there's obviously football kind of stuff, if you like, for want of a better phrase that you can get on with in, in your own development in football terms. But, um, you know, it's, I mean, Spanish is something I've done, I ran, I've done alongside my pro licence uh, three or four years ago now yeah. and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it at the time and it's actually through the PFA. Uh, it's been good, actually, really good and, I don't actually know how I'm still a member and I'm not a player anymore, but anyway, it was them that organised it. And yeah, I just enrolled in a... It was almost like a refresher course, really, more than anything, but again, really enjoyed it. And I'm actually hoping to then... Uh, so that's the kind of... Went through a Zoom, you know, a yeah, Zoom course of, of 10 weeks and you know, I'm hoping to actually go back and, and follow it on because it's something I really enjoy, something I'd love to take 
a lot further actually or something I'd love to to um um to become fluent and if you can but you know I'm a million miles away from that certainly at the moment it's it's very very basic at the moment but it's just something I really enjoy and something um you know you never know in a professional capacity it may help you one day um but if it helps me order my beers when I go to Ibiza next summer, then you know if that's all it helps me with, then so be it. But yeah, listen, you never know. But it's the, the big thing is enjoy it, and it's it's learning something new, which certainly keeps you going. You say you've done that through your your pro badge, Keith. How does that work? Then is it the PFA say what else do you want to do with your license or? No, it was um, in, in the pro license part of it. Now part of the stipulation, I actually think it was Davy Moyes that kind of helped design. Uh, that part of the course with him going over to Sociedad I think he was and he I think felt at the time this is going back six, seven years now that part of you know the pro licence which is the you know the kind of final uh, coaching qualification UEFA coaching qualification that that, you know we should have a a second language as a stipulation on the course you know you should at least be working towards a second language um because I think the higher up the chain you go in football, if you want to have any ambition, you know, the likelihood is you're going to have a pretty diverse changing room. And, um, you know, the having some linguistic skills, maybe in another language, could be obviously a, a help. Um, you know, if you move, obviously move to Spain or move to a Spanish-speaking country, then it becomes even more of a, uh, a tool, if you like, or a help. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he added that, that kind of module, if you like, into the coaching course itself. So as part of the course, we would... You know, you had to, uh, you know, start to learn a language and and then present that on a kind of test. You had a you know, verbal test, uh, if you like, as part of your final assessment. So, so, so yeah, you know, we we did that, and I, you know, that was three four years ago, and I kind of just forgot about it. Always something you're right. I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to keep it going, and then, um, yeah, you know, I just kind of fell away from it to be honest with you. And then this lockdown gave me the chance to actually sit down and think, right, what can I do? And what I'll do, really, let's get you know, let's have another look at Spanish and try and reignite that if you like, you know. So, on your so I'm on a mission now. I've just finished my first ten weeks, as I say, and I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully, um, you know, get it, get it uh, going again. And I think another consequence of lockdown is these, you know, with, with Zoom and a lot more things happening on this sort of platform. Is I think it's opened up a lot more avenues of of self development and you know maybe a little bit more of a chance of. Of uh, you know doing courses like this, so um, so yeah, so hopefully, so this time next year we'll, we'll we'll do this again and we'll just do it all in Spanish, all right? Sounds perfect. Which means you need to learn as well. <laughs> it was many moons ago, but I get my higher Spanish about fifty. Oh, there you go. Well, give me another few weeks and we'll have a wee, we'll uh, have a go. Next ten weeks, we'll get a go. <laughs> who, who else was on your course? Was there anybody that was hopeless? Uh, on the Spanish course that I just did there, Aye. I don't know if you would know. I'm trying to think who else was on it. Um, did you do it with other players then, other coaches? Aye, so no ex-players, but Christoph Berra was on it. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Some ex-players on it as well. Um, Aaron Taylor Sinclair was on it. Yeah. Who was at uh, Lad McInespy. He used to be at St Johnston. Played a few other teams. So there was there was maybe about a dozen of us uh, on the on the Zoom. Um, so it was good. I, I mean, to be fair, the PFA of again during the lockdown period, they've they've been pretty good in terms of trying to look out for players. Uh, you know, doing you know different uh, courses. 
Um, you know, language has been one. I think there was a couple of trades that were trying to uh, get players involved in, and I think they used that time to try and, you know, uh, keep players active both mentally and, you know, hopefully obtaining other skills as well because it's such a difficult marketplace now for players with, with everything that's happened after COVID. You know, already Scotland was a, a tough marketplace in terms of, uh, you know, the finances that in our game are just a pretty stretched at the best of times but add in this situation then it's it's a bit of a minefield to be honest and I really feel for the players actually I feel for um you know the the, the kind of what the state of our game is going to be particularly in the lower leagues um you know post-covid so it's a tough time for players out there and I think you know opportunities through the PFA to do these courses is invaluable so I think any any help the PFA can get along with that I think is going to be um is going to be helpful. How does it work, Keith? Do, do players sign up as a as a team or as an individual to the PFA come in at the start of the year and say, here's the benefits as to why you should be a member of this organisation? Yeah, it's, it's an individual thing. Um, uh, you know, I feel for the PFA up here, I mean, you look at the size and the might of the PFA down south, I know, you know we sh- shouldn't always compare ourselves to them. Um, you know, we are a, we are a you know, it's much, much more country, uh, but I think what the PFA done down there a long time ago is they managed to get in on the TV deal and and uh, they get a percentage of that every time and you you know we all know how how much that's worth nowadays. So I think they're so well funded down south and it's such a shame because particularly as I said there at a time like this, the players could be doing a bit of help to be honest. Uh, particularly the further down the leagues go and and you know the PFA I think are doing their best. Uh, Fraser Busher and Michelle Evans and all the guys there in terms of trying to support the players as much as they can through education grants and, and, and you know, and different things. But it's just so difficult, I think, with the level of finance they've got. I mean, the players individually, I think it's maybe £14, £15 a month they're paying, as you would with a union, you know, or, you know, yeah. any of the kind of uh, 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 unions. But it's just so difficult to, to help, you know, to, to have the finance with, I mean, I don't know how many members have got, but, you know, if you do the maths, I don't think they'll have a lot. I might, if you like, a lot, a lot of um, real capital behind them to really make the changes that they would, they would like to. Um, and as I said, when you hear even tying it into mental health and things like that, you know, you hear the rates of that and gambling and you know across uh, all the levels now at football, it's it's you can see that there is a need there for for you know the welfare to be looked after, and uh, it would just be nice if if we could get a, a bigger injection of, of money into them but I just I don't know how they go about that to be honest Just on that Keith you know the kind of gambling side and the mental health thing I mean football dressing rooms must have changed quite dramatically from when you first came through you know it seems from the outside looking in that you know when, when you broke into the, the dressing room or when you broke into the scene with Mother it, it seems like football dressing rooms were a harder place to be you know people were harder characters and I think now you know you've got the influence of social media and you know people almost play their life out on Instagram or Twitter and how do you what would the main differences be for you do you see a difference in the players coming through do you think it's sometimes they need a bit more of an arm around the shoulder and oh massively you know I see I don't just see a difference I see a huge difference and I think that's a continual thing I think that's incrementally uh, you know that is that is that is happening uh, more and more and more. Um, you know, I think that's a wider societal issue, to be honest. I think it's not just football. I think the young boys coming in nowadays seem younger, seem not as, you know, uh, savvy, if you like, not as kind of 
um, uh, streetwise. Um, and I just think it is a general consequence of, 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 of kids nowadays. Uh, and I'm generalising here, I know, but being mollycoddled a bit more than, than they were back in the day. You know, it was when I was 15, 16, and, you know, I can only speak from my own experience, but it was, you know, get out and get a job sort of mentality from my parents, you know. It's, and it's, you're not getting dropped off of that job. It's like, get out and get a job, get there yourself, get back, get on with it, you know. And, and I just think that's the way it was. And, you know, I'm sure we could sit here and discuss the reasons why it's changed got that to that point to this point for, for for I'm sure a long time but the bottom line is it's happening I think um, you know and I think it is just a consequence of the parents having a lot more influence on the on the younger protecting them a lot more um, you know just running their lives for them I think up to a much later stage than, than we certainly my own experience my own I feel even my peers at, at the time uh, like Sistine Hamels and all these guys I mean we were in that dressing room and it was just kind of get on with time you know you never went back and said oh dad he said this to me or you know he never did know there was no agents there was no pay, you know, parents having any influence and you know all that's just changed now and it's it's even at a, at a young age and I mean I don't think for the better but I think the horse is bolted to be perfectly honest and I don't think it's I think it's going to be a hard thing to turn around I just think you need to try and manage it as best you can Um and and just uh, you know, just go with it, and, and and as I say, manage it as best you can, and, and go on with it. I mean, when you, when you came into the Motherwell team, there were some big characters in there as well, wasn't there? You know, some really older, experienced players that I can imagine might have given you some pelters when you were coming through. I, 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 I mean, uh, no, listen, I mean, we came into a dressing room like you know Andy Gorham, John Spencer, Don Goodman. Um, you know, Pat Nevin, who's an experienced guy, you know, so you, you come in and I'm like, young boys going to address them thinking, I mean, my first thought, not, you know, well known, I didn't, you know, I came off, you know, as an uh, apprentice electrician, come off a building site into that address room, I'm thinking, you know, what am I doing here? You know, this is way, I'm way at my depth here. Um, but one thing, you know, I feel that stood me in good stead was, was the fact I walked off a building site because I knew uh, what getting a bit of stick was like. I knew what uh, you know, getting sent to the shop for a long stand was, and, and a left-handed screwdriver, and, and the lights, you know. So you know, but that atmosphere that, that was there, and and you just need to know how to manoeuvre your way through. Who's the strong characters? Who's the you know the weaker ones? Who you know, and manoeuvre your way through a dressing room. And I think going back to you know the previous question about young boys nowadays. There's much less sense of that. They've not, you know, in terms of how to read a room and uh, read characters and, and manoeuvre your way through through it. And uh, but you know, we certainly had to. In saying that, the, the older pros, which I found an experience where they were hard, but they looked after you as well. You know, when they had to, and you know, that's what was great again for for us at that time. Particularly, you know, once we all kind of get flung in the team, it's we still had older ones there to really kind of guide us and. Um, you know, they sort of dressing rooms were, were probably the norm at the time, but, you know, such a help to us young boys at the time. Keith, okay, you've got a young son as well, who's obviously, you know, following your footsteps, playing football. What, what advice would you give to, to your own son in, in the current climate? Is a... Yeah, I mean, that, again, that's an interesting one. It's going to be interesting. He's eight at the moment, and, you know, as you say, he's into his football and he's playing. And, uh, 
you know, in general, I think the parents have got far too much involvement in, in, in academy football now. Far too much. I think they have, they have far too much access access to to um, you know watching the, the training. And I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about my son's age at the moment. You know, I still touch, but the further it goes up, I think, I, I think, uh, I, I think what you've got, we've got to try and get back to is building. Uh, a trust between the player and the coach, you know, and 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 a responsibility of the player between the player and the coach. And I think nowadays what you often find is it's the player, coach, and the parents. You know, it's much more of a triangle rather than just that relationship between the player and the coach and taking responsibility for his own performances. And when he has to ask a question, ask a question himself. Now he wants to challenge the coach, challenge the coach himself. And I think more and more that we're now getting that if there is something to be said or something that's done now. Well, I'll, you know, my dad, mum and dad, is going to speak to you about it as a coach, and you know, I'm not, I'm not saying about any specific instances where that's happening. I just think that's a general thing that's happening, and probably not just in football. You know, that's probably happening in schools and things like that where the parents' involvement. Now, I mean, I, I don't remember. I honestly don't remember my mum or dad ever watching me train. You know, ever. You know, they'd watch me play in the games, but now you go to a, you know any training centre now. I'm not now because of COVID, but before. And, you know, all the parents are at every training session. They're all, you know, involved in, they see everything. They, they, you know, you know, it's just, it's just like, and I think, you know, that then leads on to um, the kids then maybe not taking their own responsibility when it does get to those latter age groups. So, you know, I, I, I hopefully I'll practice what I preach and I'll try and it comes right that he's, he takes his own responsibility. As I said, he develops himself. I'm there, obviously, to help him along the way he's still only a taught he's only 8 years old but um, and you know you know that'll be the challenge for me I, I want to get involved but I don't want to get involved if you know what I mean I want to be involved by not being involved and letting him get on with it and, and um, you know certainly I feel as if in general that's the best way to go and, and, and let these boys find their own way because um, like ultimately like, like that yeah. what's that sorry sometimes that you get people coaching from the side but it's, it's usually the parents that didn't make it and, and thought they should have made it that are always well, it might be a bit easier to take that step back and say you know what I'll let him go on his own track yeah make his own mistakes make his own and if he's got something to say you say to the you know the, the coach or, or whatever it may be you know and it's maybe a kind of broad stroke and a simplistic way of looking at it and it's not going to solve every ill but certainly when we spoke about before, what is the main difference to young boys coming through nowadays? It is, um, it is they seem, you know, an 18-year-old now seems four years younger than an 18-year-old did 20 years ago, you know. I, I'm trying to think of a better way of putting it, you know. It's just, it's and I, as I said, that's not all football's fault. I think that's a wider issue, but you know, to me, that's that's where we are at the moment, and it's it's something that we just need to try and manage as best we can, as I say. I do feel that I get, you've you've hit the nail on the head, though. I feel it's a societal issue rather than a, a football thing, isn't it? Because you feel that you know it's, that there doesn't seem to be as much of a rush for kids to get a job as soon as they leave school. They've almost got an extra few years to go to college or you know or get a part time job. Whereas before it was, I'm going back many years now, but it was like you need to get an apprenticeship or you need to get a trade or mm-hmm. you, you know you had to have more of a vision. I think now kids have they're getting a bit more time. Yeah, no, no absolutely. I think uh, you know, I, I can't agree more. To be honest, I think it's 
And I think it's, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. You say, how will I manage, um, you know, my boy? Um, and maybe I will be tested, you know, maybe I will, you know, I hope not, but, you know, maybe, you know, it'll get to me and I'm start protecting more than I, I want to, you know, I, re- I really want to, but um, no, I agree. I just think it's that, that culture of get out there, make your own way in life. Um, it's just dissipated a little bit and I think it's not for the better, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, there's some exceptions, you know, I think you look at, we, you know, you look at the Alan Campbell. He's a perfect example. I mean, that kid was a man the day he walked in the, the house, you know, and yeah, in the house and the football club. Sorry, um, and you look at him now. You know, you look at his performance. He takes responsibility for everything. His condition. You know, I'm sure you've heard that everybody waxed lyrical about his his the way he approaches his game, his football. I mean, that that guy. Has just got the best attitude I've ever seen, ever, and I include everybody I've ever played with. In that it is unbelievable his attitude to to improving himself as a as a, as a football player. It's it's just frightening. But from day one, he's come in, and Alan was like a man. He was just a man, you know, and the way he carries himself, the way he you know he trains, everything about him, and you can just tell if you told Alan, uh, you know. You know, if you gave him one bit of information, he would just, from a very young age, he would carry that that, that instruction out to the letter. You know, he wouldn't look if he if he made a mistake, he wouldn't try and blame MDL or this or that. It would be he would take the own up on on and not that he's made many mistakes to be honest, but he would just willing to take responsibility. Would would just yeah, would would just make mature decisions at a young age and, and sadly there's just not as many as we'd love we'd love to have another 20 Alan Campbells but they just they just don't exist and certainly that boy's a credit to his family and um, he's, he's somebody I think is destined for, again destined for, for big, big things Would you put that down to Keith because obviously you know he has an exception but such a natural talent hard work effort everything about him is just total model professional isn't it do you think that's- no, I, Something, so, something to do with upbringing, or do you think it's to do with him as a person, or just an individual? Or? Yeah, probably a bit of both. You know, probably a bit of both. But it's it's um, again, just goes back to making his own decision. To me, he looks like you know what you were describing there about uh, you know you get to sixteen, get out, get a job. And I know Alan was involved in the academy, so it's not a case I get out and get a job. He just you know came into the football club. Mm-hmm. But to me, if Alan wasn't playing football at the moment. It would be having an apprenticeship, or it'd be uh, you know three years into a into a degree, but absolutely you know firing through it, and you know doing you know it, it wouldn't be in out drinking every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night like, like most students. He would be and just focus. He is just driven, and I think that's that's probably a word that would use to driven. Is is maybe a bit rarer now. I think as well. You know, just having that personal inner drive, uh, not somebody else driving you, not somebody else motivating you. Um, you know, uh, you know, having to be pushed constantly. Uh, I think there's that's the big difference. I think from twenty years ago, certainly when I first came into, there was a lot more boys with their own inner drive to succeed. Um, than, than, than I think there is across the board at, at, you know, nowadays. And that must be extremely frustrating. And I'm, I wouldn't expect you to name any names, Keith, but I think even for a fan, you know, 
for the outside looking in. There, there is sometimes that you see players on the pitch and you think they've got so much potential, but they don't have that drive. Yeah. I'm listening to go through, and I'm not just talking about Motherwell here, I'm talking more in general terms, I think. Um, um, but again, this is not a unique problem. I, th- I think this is across the board, you know, and I, again, I, I even include football. I don't think this is football. This is not football. This is, uh, for me, anyway, my own experience, I think this is across the board. I just, I just, think, I just think kids nowadays are just used to um, being told where to be at what time and getting taken there and getting brought back and uh, it's never their fault. It's it's you know it's it's and I think that's across schools, across sport. I, I just think it's where we are. I just think it's where we've gotten to. And um, the real ones now that will make it all the way to the top are the ones that can still display that and their drive. You know that uh, as I said, not having to be motivated, not having to be. Um, uh, you know, just I don't know what the best way of putting it is, but 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 not having to look for answers all the time, you know. So actually looking in the mirror and saying, right, I never worked because I wasn't good enough, you know. It's like it's 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 always somebody's fault now. Um, and I, I think, as I said, that's not just football. That's 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 across the board for me. I'm telling you, Keith, I don't know if I'd want you up with my dad because you're not getting the many laughs anywhere. You're not picking them up. <laughs> well, that's, but to me, it's part of you know it's. I'm saying how to navigate a room, how to navigate a, you know, how to navigate a housing estate, how to navigate, you know, when the kids do that, you know, drop, let's drop them in the middle of, you know, let's drop them in the middle of Motherwell at two o'clock in the morning, right, and everybody's got to go home. You know, it's like having that sense of danger, that, 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 um, you know, nobody's ever in any danger anymore, you know, and I'm, I'm not advocating, uh, <laughs> you know, like the Hunger Games here or something like that, but... Uh, you know, I think I think kids just working problems out for themselves. I think is um, is what we need to get back to. I'm, I'm going to make sure that Jane listens to this because I'm sure that you've not always managed to get yourself home after a night. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. In fact, I, I just wish I stayed. It was the last stop of the train because then I'd have to get off. But unfortunately, I'm about four or five stops for the end. Uh, you've missed that Sorry, one. <laughs> What's, uh, what's in the future pipelines for Keith Lasley? It sounds like uh, five years down the line you might be over in Spain coaching. Well, uh, well that would be nice. Aye. Um, uh, aye. La Liga. I would take La Liga now, sign up for that. Five years? Well, I don't know. What is it? A week's a long time in politics, I think. That's the same for football, to be honest. Um, but... I don't know, is the honest answer. You know, where I want to be is still in the game, still uh, coaching and, and, and you know, one day managing. Um, but, you know, who can tell? This is such a precarious profession. I've had a great time so far doing what I'm doing. I want to, you know, obviously want to stay at for the foreseeable and still be making a difference at this football club. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what I want to continue doing. Uh, and long may that continue. What comes after that? I just don't know. I just don't think you can plan too much. I think you can just try and be, uh, you know, do your job, do it to the best of your ability and what will be will be, you know. And, and um, you know, yeah, we've, we've not had the start we would have liked, um, but, you know, as determined as ever to, to, to again, to, you know, have that, that roller coaster that we're always on at Mullow, get it going on the upward curve again and, and keep going and see where it takes us. So it's, no, I don't think there is a, a big grand plan. It's just it's just keep going, keep developing, keep learning and see where it takes you. 
And as much as I'd love to see you over on Spain, Chief, in the short term, three points would be ideal. <laughs> I'd sign up for that as well, to be honest. No, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, Keith. Thanks very much for your time. No worries, Derek. Cheers, mate.